0: Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember No role is insignificant. Every life matters, and go out and make a difference.
1: We are so grateful that you have opened your arms to our precious children. We are grateful for you. We prayed for you. We didn't know the name of the church, but we knew them. And we just prayed that God would put them in a place where it would be a match. And um, neither one of you are perfect. Uh, They're not perfect, but you're perfect for one another. And so I pray that something very special will happen here in this church. It, It has already happened. This is a wonderful place to be. But can't you imagine, just imagine, Let your sanctified imagination run wild. What if something hit here? Like hit Asbury. You can't find Wilmore, Kentucky with a GPS and a flashlight. (laughs) Wouldn't it be just like God to do something here? I want you to think about that and pray about that as we share our hearts with you this morning. Now. Brent shared something with you that um, um, I'm I'm not feeling well. I don't know exactly what's going on. Um, At 3 o'clock this morning, I woke up and had some strange things happening. I was diagnosed with AFib. And um, I'm... Pardon me? Diagnosed a while back. A while back, I was diagnosed. Why don't you stay in your lane, okay? (laughs) So... You're just like her. You'll get your turn. Now, where was I? And so I tried to teach on prayer this morning at 9 o'clock, and I just couldn't get through it. I couldn't think. And uh, I had to confess to them that I'm not able to do what I came here to do. Uh, would you pray for me? And I sat in a chair, and, and um, so they prayed for me. And it was uh, just the people's voices being lifted up to God. They weren't praying to me, they were praying to God. But I heard them, and he heard them. And something began to happen inside my body as I began to uh, sit there and just, uh, I feel stronger. I feel like I can put sentences together and I can think. So I'm going to try to do this. And if I don't pull it off... You can blame those folks in the prayer meeting. It's their fault. Well, four little words are what we want to leave with you. And uh, you heard them already, but I want you to learn to say them with me. Four little words. Talk less, pray more. Can you try that again? Let's say it out loud. Talk less, pray more. This is where it all begins. When I was uh, living in the city of Euless, I was serving on a staff and got a call from a a family friend in, uh, in Florida that I needed to come and preach for a church. They'd had a crisis hit and wanted me to come and fill the pulpit that Sunday morning. So I made plans to do that one of the plans I made was to fly out of DFW, which meant we left two hours late. And uh, ever done that? Really a great start for a trip. Delta is not always ready when you are. So I head to Tampa, Florida, uh, that I'm gotta go through Atlanta. And Atlanta is another one of those places that I'd rather bypass than go through. And uh, if you've ever tried to catch a another flight there that take you on a journey, you know across the promised land to get to it, but that day the the plane that I needed was right next to the plane that I got off of. And I've never had that happen before since. So I said, "That's great. praise the Lord." So I sat down in my chair, and as I walked onto the plane, they applauded because they had held the plane waiting for me to come. And I sat down in the chair. The fellow next to me says these words, So you know him too. And I must have said something like, Thank you, Lord, or praise the Lord, so you know him too. And, well, yes, I, I, I do know the Lord. And he said, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I teach people how to pray. And then his remark was, well, that's easy. Well, you've never done it before <laughs> if you think it's easy. And I just was taken aback by that remark because, I, you know, you really love to have somebody trivialize what you think is terribly important. And this guy was a moron if he thinks it's easy to, to teach people to pray. I didn't call him a moron, but I sure thought him one. And uh, he said, no, 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 no. Just, just, you know, I, you know, I, 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 just, uh, I just, just, stay with me here for, for, a, for a second. If you want to tell him, teach him how to pray, tell him to get cancer. I just thought he was a moron. Now I know he's a moron. Why would you tell somebody that? And he went on to explain I'm a good Catholic boy. I knew when to stand, and I knew when to sit down. I knew when to stand up, and I knew what to say, and I knew when to leave. But until I got cancer, I never talked to Jesus face to face. I want you to hear something.
2: In March of 2008, I was diagnosed with stage 2B breast cancer. And I know some of y'all have been through it if you haven't you have a family friend a, a mother mother-in-law relative that's been through that and you know the fear that comes with hearing the c word and that began what i called my great adventure i had surrendered my life given my life a long time ago to jesus to use however he wanted whatever he wanted to do in my life and so i was ready to surrender to him, but I was ready to fight, fight the cancer. It's evil, and I was going to put up a fight with it. So we went through that. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. When we accept Jesus as our Savior and we are baptized, it is a symbol of being dead to an old way of life, but raised in a new way to live, in a new life. Dead people have no rights, right? So we surrender all of those rights. Everything that we think we have control of, we surrender to him. We're all going to suffer whether we're a believer or a not believer, you are going to suffer if you live on this earth. You have all lived probably long enough to know that. The question becomes, what are you going to do with that suffering? Are you going to be bitter and angry? Are you going to allow the light of Jesus to shine through you? When Ashley was about 12 years old, she was griping one day about being in a pastor's home. Why did God have to put her in a pastor's home? Uh, So forth and so on. Gary, having been a pastor's son, looked at her and said, look, life is not fair. I don't know why God chose to put you in our family, but he did. Now the question is, are you gonna be bitter and angry and draw young people away from the Lord? Are you going to allow His light to shine in you and draw them to the Lord? And it's like a light bulb literally went off in her head, and she's lived for the Lord ever since. And I have to tell you, as you know, now she is married to a pastor. God's sense of humor. But what are we going to do when we go through that suffering? Are we going to be bitter and angry? Are we going to allow His light to shine through us. I encourage you, uh, it can be such sweet fellowship. When you face cancer, when you face a wayward child, when you face a divorce, when you face whatever you're going through, to give that to the Lord and have fellowship with Him. It will be such sweet, sweet fellowship. Then you can experience the power of the resurrection. When we walked into my oncologist's office, godly man, he held up his hand and he said, okay, here's how we're gonna fight cancer. Prayer, the thumb was the prayer, positive attitude, diet, nutrition, exercise, and the last will be the chemo, the surgery, the radiation, all that goes with cancer. Do you see that? That's the little finger. But do you see, thumb was the prayer. Thumb is the linchpin of your hand. You can't hold on to anything without your hand, without your thumb. The thumb is what gives you the grip to be able to hold on to it. That's what prayer is in our life. It's the linchpin that allows us to hold on and to see what God wants to do in our lives and the ministry to others through whatever we're going through at that time we would have missed so much of what God wanted to do in our lives if we had not been praying together. So I encourage you, listen now to the rest of the story.
1: Why don't you sit up here with me? I'll sit down if you sit down. (laughs) Okay. Kind of taught that by my mother. My mother's been in heaven now for a couple of years. only miss her on the days that end in Y. But if I didn't stand in the presence of another woman she would I still have a mark on the back of my head where she would hit me I want to read to you a passage of scripture that if you don't recall anything I say you'll know where to find this passage and I believe that this could be something that you could hold on to for the rest of your lives Luke 24 Luke 24 beginning in verse 13 and behold. Two of them were going that very day, and I'm going to have to use my glasses. I should have field-tested the platform area before I got up. Ah, it, it actually is there. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about the things which had taken place. I want you to think for, with me for a minute. What are the things that have taken place? If you look at your Bible, you'll recognize that it's behind, basically towards the end of Luke. And Luke's gospel has given you a vivid account of the life of Jesus. He has been judged, he's been beaten, he's been put to death. He's been taken down from the cross. He's been put in an empty tomb. A lot has gone on. What are these things? A lot of things have been going on recently. But let's follow this a little bit farther. Verse 15. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Don't miss this. Jesus himself approached. Now, they were walking, talking, and discussing, but the one thing they weren't doing was praying about what had happened. They'd seen a lot of things happen. And it had put them on a course, a seven-mile journey downhill to the little village of Emmaus. And while they were walking and talking and discussing, Jesus comes up alongside of them. I love this. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. I don't know exactly what that means, but I have been through some things in my life that have caused me to be unable to see Jesus. Have you, you know what those things look like? They're different for, to you than they are to me. And if I shared mine with you, you would probably say, well, that's not that big a deal, but it was a big deal to me, as is yours is a big deal to you. But in the midst of that, that situation, they're walking and talking, discussing, walking downhill. They missed Jesus, but it didn't matter <laughs> Because guess who shows up? This time he didn't send an angel. He showed up himself. I I just want you to see that. Whatever you're going through today, you can count on it. You can take it to the bank. Jesus himself is there. Whatever it is. It just doesn't matter. He shows up. Listen, showing up was his idea, not your idea. Do, Do you get that? See, you'll postpone praying about something to talk about it. Talk, 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 talk. But would to God that we could talk something to death. Have you ever heard people talk about that? That uh, he's just talking it to death. You don't talk anything to death. You just breathe new life into it. If I had the courage to, that I would like to have, I would have handed everybody a balloon in this room. Um, but when I saw the children go out, they would have missed the the show. Um, They're the ones that get it. I would pass out a balloon to you and have you blow your hot air into it, and then I would ask you to count to three and let all those balloons go at once. And none of them ever end up at the altar. They go everywhere, totally uncontrolled. Hot air, when put into the wrong <laughs> instrument, uh, will never get you where you want to go. You could be blowing that balloon, blowing that balloon, blowing that balloon, until it got big enough that you wouldn't be able to see me, and I wouldn't be able to see your face. You would be prevented from seeing me because of the hot air in the balloon. Listen, don't miss this. Jesus himself showed up, and they were prevented from, From seeing Jesus. Don't ever let what you're going through prevent you from seeing Jesus. He's there. Now, he may not feel like he's there, but he's there. The Word of God tells us further that their eyes were were prevented, and he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another? Now, I I don't know about you, but I I really hate I really hate somebody interrupting my conversation. It, you, hey, 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 you, excuse, excuse, excuse me just a minute. And then they butt in to what you've been saying to someone else. Hey, hey, get, 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 get over here. Oh, yeah, I, want, I want to tell to. And it, they try to pull you away from telling somebody else. There's not a mother in this room that hasn't ever gotten on a phone and their two-year-old is totally engrossed with that conversation. Mommy, 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 mommy and pulling, pulling every stitch of clothing you've got on you to get your attention. That annoys the thunder out of me. Having my, having my intimate communication with someone else interrupted. Look at this, look what Jesus did. What are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still. And one of them, I happen to believe this is a husband and a wife making their way downhill to see Jesus. And the husband, Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem unaware of the things which had happened here in these days? Now, just picture this. I know it's a husband because no one could be that obtuse and not be a husband. Jesus is standing right right in front of him. Let, let me ask you a question. Who have all these things been happening to? We're gonna be here a long time if you make me ask you three times before we can answer. I don't ask trick questions. Who did all these things happen to? Okay, we'll go. Starts with J, ends with an S, has an E and S and a U, right, to connect him. His name is? Yes. Boy, you're timid people. I just ask you to look at this closely. What are the, what are the things that you are talking about? Jesus? just simply says to them, well, what things? What things? Jesus was not looking for information. Can we agree on that? Jesus was not looking for information. This is the essence of prayer. This is the essence of prayer that will keep you from talking more and praying less it'll teach you to talk less and pray more. When you realize that there's not one thing that you're talking about that hasn't already happened to him. What things he says to them. (laughs) He said to them, all these things that Jesus the Nazarene, who was the prophet, mighty indeed, that's past tense. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and that delivered him and crucified him is in the past tense. Verse 21, and we were hoping or we had hoped that it was he that was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's a third day since these things have happened. Now what they're saying is we stuck around as long as we could, trying to believe that Jesus was risen from the dead. Now we're just, we're just going home. And we'll figure it out all on our own. Jesus had other plans. Scripture says that he began walking with them and talking with them. And um, <laughs> he, he said to them, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the, thing, the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things? And then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets he explained to them everything concerning himself. Now when Jesus explained the scriptures to him he wasn't walking them through Matthew Mark, Luke John, Acts, Romans. He walked them through the prophets and all of the scriptures in the what we would call the Old Testament. You will hear some preachers from time to time try to talk you out of believing anything that's in the Old Testament. They can't find Jesus in the Old Testament. And they'll tell you to stick with the New Testament because we're under the New Covenant. But Jesus is pretty sure he was there. He explained himself and everything to them in the Old Testament. What do I want you to walk away with today? The most important thing you can do when you are in a crisis is to understand that you'll never be able to talk at Death. I hate to bring you some bad news today. You're either in a crisis or you're heading towards one. Maybe you just left one. But we live with crisis all the time. My family has had a share of it this past month. I was really looking forward to March until this morning at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I realized you cannot outrun crisis. We live in a fallen world. But what Jesus did with this couple is so important for you to comprehend that while they were talking and discussing these things, he shows up. Listen, folks, please hear me. Prayer is not a good idea. Prayer is God's idea. And if you aren't able to think about praying, guess who will show up and begin to Give you the idea that isn't it time for you to start praying about this? Ha- haven't we talked about this enough? When, when Dana was diagnosed with breast cancer, she called it her great adventure. I did not call it a great adventure. It looked like the worst thing that could ever happen to her. And I didn't really get healed from that. I looked at that for what it was. It was a sentence of death for all practical purposes it took me a long time to get to the point where i would see god at work in this maybe that crisis is different that you have but he can make sense out of the senseless if we'll stop talking about it and start praying about it 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 doesn't happen overnight i i, I don't want to misrepresent What he will do, but if you will stay in his presence long enough, and consistently enough, then things will start making sense that were senseless, where there was nothing but hopelessness. He'll give you hope, and and I I challenge you with 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 all my heart. I don't think anything ill about this couple. that couldn't figure out what to do, they didn't have this book like we have. And we can read it and see, gosh, how do they miss Jesus? But let's just look in our own hearts that there are times when we miss him just in so many ways. When if we would just stop and admit this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense to me. When she was diagnosed with breast cancer, I couldn't figure out how to get out of the parking lot. She had to guide me towards a town where we would meet Allison and Ashley and break the news to them about what was going on. And Dana guided me out of the parking lot and heading down the road, and I was just in a brain fog. My heart was broken and the phone rings. And the fellow named Ricky Griffin was on the other end of the line. I think you might have heard of him occasionally. But Ricky was up here in the panhandle I was down in South Lake, Texas. And, uh, son, what's going on? And in perfect, fluent panhandle French, he began to just yeah, pour out a greeting. And, I oh, Ricky, I don't know what to tell you. I just got word that Dana has breast cancer. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't even figure out how to get close enough to my girls to tell them what's going on. And he said, you know, my wife Pam had breast cancer. And she was healed from that. I want to tell you right now, this is a battle you can win. And so I want you to get off this phone and know this, brother, I'm going to be praying for you. And the fog lifted. The fog lifted. Now, I'll confess to you that it didn't lift permanently. Because I drove that car to Southlake. I get out of the car, walk with Dana down this little street street. And I could see my girls in the distance, there were two, two girls. They were... They were great young ladies, accomplished young ladies. But in the distance, I could see them holding on to each other, leaning into each other. And it broke my heart, because I could tell that they were broken hearted over the news about the mother. And another wave of fog came over me. And the phone rings again. It was Ricky. I call him the Griff. But this was a sergeant in our police force in the town where I was pastoring at the time. And he said, I just heard the news. And I said, well, brother... Please pray for me. I've got to break the news to my girls, and I don't know what I'm gonna say. And he said, I'm not very good at this. I'd recently baptized him and his wife, and and they were new believers. And so he was he was hesitant to pray. But he prayed. The most beautiful. Childlike prayer that a man could ever pray, and when he said "Amen," the fog lifted. And we, Dana, myself, and our girls, we kind of crash landed between—if you've ever been to South Lake—between Brios and her favorite place, Brighton. There's some ladies that know where it, it is. That you can ask them later. And we just, there's a sacred spot right there where we pray together. And we tried to to admit that we didn't know what was going on, what would come of this. But we prayed and the fog lifted. (laughs) We also went into Brios, left Brio's and went into Brighton and bought Dana some shoes. Her love language is shoes. She made friends there with the manager of Brighton, told her story. She prayed over us and the fog lifted. Matter of fact, every time she had a chemo treatment, we would stop by Brighton and we would buy a pair of shoes for her. Chemo day was shoe day. I can't explain this to you enough to make you understand only the Holy Spirit can do that. But I beg you, I exhort you to talk less and pray more. That is not the only crisis that we will go through. It certainly has not been. It doesn't matter what the crisis is. Talk less. And pray more. The thing that touches my heart the most about this couple is that when they asked Jesus to stay with them, it says, the scripture says, he acted as if he would go farther down the road. Have you had too much of Jesus? Or would you like him to stick around a while? Because Jesus was walking farther down the road and they exhorted him, stay with us. Just three simple little words. Stay with us. And Jesus did. He said a blessing over the food. And when he did, their eyes were open. This is so rich if we just understand Jesus longs for us to see Him in the middle of the crisis. He he longs for you to know Him. And you may know Him as your Lord and Savior, but in that crisis situation, He wants you to experience Him personally in another way as the Lord and Master of that situation. And He'll do that for you. If you pray. What happened to them it was very remarkable. It'd be remarkable for me today because they had just finished a seven-mile walk downhill. They turn around immediately and walk in the dark seven miles uphill. Did anybody here walk 14 miles to come to church today? I just want you to picture what that must have been like for them. Those were hardy people. And when they left, they they had a mission to tell others. And Scripture tells us that when they told those people that were huddled in the room, we have seen Jesus. Then Scripture again says, Jesus himself showed up again for those very people that needed to see him. You see, when you tell other people about Jesus, he'll show up every time. More than anything else, Jesus wants people to know him. And my prayer for you as people, my prayer for you as people in this church, oh, Dana. Uh I'm not going to kid you. This happens all the time. I thought I had out. <laughs> You're killing me. Sorry. Well, I guess we're done. Well, when I figure out how to close this, I will do that. Let me see. You got any ideas? Just going into
2: the wet things after that and
1: Well, here's the deal. you got a church, a remarkable church, but there are lost people here in the panhandle and in this city that need to know Jesus. And if you will talk less and pray more in your own heart, Jesus will show up in your heart in a way that you've never known him before. And then he will flow out into your home. Flow out into this church. Flow out into this community. Flow out in your county. Flow out in your country. And circle the globe with the love that he has for them. I believe we're seeing something happen in this country right now. I'm not going to even question, I believe something remarkable happened at Asbury. And in that little town of Wilmore, Kentucky, I asked myself, Lord, if you can find that place, you can find this place. Do you believe that? Does does this just seem impossible to you? Does that seem impossible to you? If it does, I want you to begin thinking about the him possible. Because the Bible tells us here that Jesus himself shows up. And I'm begging you to pray for the kind of spiritual awakening that would begin in your heart, flow into your home. And I know that crisis can be a death march sometimes. I was baptized, two people in a lake. Our church had a baptistry that took eight hours to fill. I love this thing over there. But it would take us eight hours to fill a baptistry. I used to baptize in the lake, Lake Bridgeport, 22 square mile lake. I used to brag that we had the smallest church. And the biggest baptistry. I always enjoyed baptizing there because I was on the volunteer fire department, so was Dana. And, man, I'd start fires just to ride those trucks. I I I had had more fun doing that. And we would bring the fire trucks down at the beach and we would shoot the hoses in the air and it would make an arc effect. And... um, You'd see a rainbow over the, where we were having baptism that night. People would bring their boats in from all over the lake. They hadn't been to church that day. And they hadn't taken communion, but they had some alcohol in their system. So, you dung them good, Breeder. Pre- dung them again, Breeder. And they're hitting their, corn, their little bus, what we call the boat horns. And it was just kind of an event, and we used to love baptizing out there. Baptized a couple named Don and Ruth. And as we're walking out of the water, she said these words to me. I haven't been at this beach since my grandbaby died. And I I, I stopped. I, I stood still and I said, Ruth, I'm so sorry. I I didn't realize this is where that happened. Yeah. Baby drowned right here on this beach. And I was in just uh quandary, what do I say next? And I I just said I just kept saying am I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I would never have done this never, we'd have figured out another way to hold this baptism. I, you, know, I, you know how you go from the heights of something to the depths of something? I, I just, man, I was on a downward roller coaster. And she stopped me and she said, no, no preacher. Every day I'd drive across that bridge over the lake and with the sun come, coming up, I'd, it's, I'd see that beach and every day I'd drive across that bridge, I'd see it, and I'd think of that day when I lost my grandbaby. Now when I drive across that bridge, I'll think of new life. Jesus did that. Jesus did that. I didn't do that Jesus did that. I don't know what the crisis is that you're going through this morning. But I want you to take to heart these words, talk less, and pray more. I want to call an audible before we close and just do this. Ordinarily, I try to get people to pray over husbands and wives, but I feel prompted after our prayer meeting that we had earlier this morning. Would we pray for the impossible, for Panhandle, to be blessed with what we've seen in little places like Wilmore, Kentucky? Would you be willing to come and kneel here? And we're going to pray. We're going to pray for God to lead us. Now, you can either kneel or you can stand, but I'm heart attack serious about this. You told me you wanted to see this happen here. Maybe you're like me and you can't kneel. I want you to stand. And I'm going to count to three. I'm not going to wait too long to do this. And you can do it right where you're standing. But I'm going to count to three. And I want you to pray aloud. And in your own words, you call out to God. Father, why not here? Why not at this place? Why cannot we see revival as it's been? One, two, three, pray.
0: And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.